0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empowered Eating Podcast. My name is Lauren Boleen, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach, here to teach you all about intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food and body. This week, I have an awesome interview for you with Nicola Salmon. She is at Fat Positive Fertility on Instagram. And I'm just going to dive right in so I can give you her introduction and get into this interview. It is so awesome. I'm really grateful that she took the time to let me ask her a bunch of questions and share about her story and her own fertility journey. And I'm truly hoping that if you have struggled with fertility in the past or if you've been told that you have to lose weight in order to continue your fertility journey that Nicola's words can give you a lot of comfort. Here we go. Okay, guys, today I am here with Nicola Salmon. She is a fat-positive fertility coach and the author of Fat and Fertile. She helps fat folks navigate getting pregnant in a weight-obsessed world, and she advocates for change in how fat people are treated while accessing help with their fertility. Nicola uses her unique fat positive framework to support people in finding their own version of health without diets, to advocate for their bodies, and to relearn how to trust their body and believe in their ability to get pregnant. I am so excited to talk to you today, as I told you before we started recording I'm fangirling a little bit. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you
1: so much for having me Lauren, I am so so excited to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of people are going to get so much out of all of the information you're going to provide us today, so let's just jump right in, and the first question I have for you, I would love for you to just tell us more about yourself and how you got into this line of work in fat-positive fertility.
1: Well, it's a very long-winded, like, twisty-turny path, as yeah. you know. It's a very niche topic to be talking about and doing as a job. Um, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was 16. So that's kind of when I first really even was aware of hormones, of fertility, of what that meant for me as a woman. Like the doctor with that diagnosis told me that I would never have children. that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. Wow. And obviously what I know now, I was like, that's total rubbish. Mm -hmm. But then as a 16 year old, this was like over 20 years ago now, I didn't have the internet. I didn't Mm -hmm. know other people who had this condition, didn't have any information on it bar what the doctor told me, which was lose weight and go on the oral contraceptive pill. Mm -hmm. So like that really coloured so much of my teens and twenties because I was devastated. I, you know, it impacted my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I didn't think people would love me. Like I didn't think I'd become a parent. Like it impacted so much of how I became a person, you know, through mm-hmm. that really um transformative part of your life. And obviously it led to a lot of dieting because I was told that weight loss would help. Mm-hmm. Um so that kind of triggered a whole like more intense because I'd already been dieting at that point. But like whole new level of kind of intense weight loss and weight regain you know kind of journeys throughout my teens and 20s um i ended up studying science so i did a science degree and a science masters and then another kind of twisty turny bit in my story was when i was working in a hospital as a clinical scientist um i kind of witnessed this traumatic event i was living in this very um kind of undesirable part of london at the time and yeah i witnessed this like gang incident um and it and it meant that like i suffered from ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder i struggled Mm -hmm. to go to work i found it very challenging mentally um and then i tried all the medications the cbt the therapy and it wasn't until i was walking past this therapy center I decided to go in a complete, you know, off chance of just like, I just need something that's going to help me. Um, and they recommended acupuncture. I've never tried it before. I didn't know how it worked. I thought, you know, like, I'm desperate at this point. I'm going to give yeah. anything a shot. And it was amazing. It transformed my mental health. It had such a profound impact on me that I decided to train as an acupuncturist for four years. Like, wow. without much research, without much real, like, thought about it um so that's what I ended up doing I ended up being an acupuncturist I ended up specializing in fertility because of my own interest in um hormones and my own fertility really Mm -hmm. um and then I did coach training because I wanted to help people like more than just doing the acupuncture and then through my own kind of journey of like getting pregnant and having kids i realized that i didn't want to be someone who was on a diet anymore i didn't want Mm -hmm. to pass on that legacy to my family and my children of this is how we talk about our bodies and this is how we talk about food so i was all through this kind of all in my early 30s i was really unlearning diet culture i was learning about health every size about fat positivity about like liberation body liberation and Mm. there was a point where i was just like this is amazing. Like my mind was blown with all this information and research and incredible humans out there doing incredible things in fat bodies. And I was also working as a fertility coach and I was like, these two worlds just don't, they don't agree. They don't fit well with each other because so much of fertility support is about dieting and about restriction and about mm-hmm. telling people that they need to lose weight in order to access healthcare and, I just I couldn't do it anymore i you know i i I admit I'd done harm. I told people to die. I told people to restrict mm-hmm. um and so I ended up just going like I need someone to be talking about this, you know and who's talking about this work? who's talking about how harmful this is for fat folks, and I couldn't find any resources, anybody that was talking about how harmful this was, um so I just decided that I had to do it. I had to talk about it. I had to keep talking about it. And I had to be the person that I would want if I Mm -hmm. struggled to get pregnant because I know in a parallel universe somewhere out there, I didn't get pregnant easily with my children and I would have needed support and help to uh, go through that process. So it was a lot of twists, a lot of turns to get me to where I am now. But I am so grateful for all of those different versions of myself that did different Mm -hmm. things because it gave me such a unique skill set to be doing this work that I do now.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you've connected with so many people who weren't hearing that message either, like who oh, weren't yeah. finding a fat positive fertility for, um, coach to support them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's been, yeah, like so many people have reached out to me and I've been so grateful to find this work because it can be so traumatizing navigating the fertility spaces in a fat body because all of the messages on like ninety nine percent of the internet are just lose weight, lose just weight. Go go away till you've lost weight. You can't have any help. You can't have any tests. You can't have any treatments until you've lost the weight. And we know that weight loss is impossible. So it's leaving yeah. a whole group of people from being able to grow their families in the way that they want to and deserve
0: to. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Wow, that's a that's a really cool journey, and I always appreciate you know talking to people who were like there's this need and nobody's doing it i gotta mm. do it you know? uh, it takes a lot of courage to step up and start talking about that especially in a field where it is so focused on weight loss you know you you are i don't know how many people out there are doing what you do and you know, many. I, yeah <laughs> i i kind of like look around in this field quite a bit for people who kind of do these different specialties and Yeah, I would say you're kind of the main account that I've stumbled across. So I was excited to do that. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you and get to spread your word more. Um, So I personally am not super familiar with fertility or fertility care. That's not somewhere I'm at yet. So I was wondering if you can kind of explain to us what that journey looks like and how it does like look different for someone trying to navigate it in a larger body
1: absolutely so for someone who's in a straight-sized body they will decide that they want to have a baby normally and then they will go about getting pregnant in whatever way they can whether they're in a heterosexual couple or a queer couple like whatever that that means for them and normally that journey lasts about 12 months and if they haven't got pregnant within those 12 months then that's when often people will seek support so they'll go and see their doctor their gp um, ask for some initial tests figure out what's going on and usually if there's nothing happening the treatment is ivf the treatment is um, in vitro fertilization which is going to a fertility clinic having um being stimulated with hormones getting the eggs removed and then um fertilizing them with sperm. And then getting them put back, like regardless of what's mm-hmm. going on for so many people, IVF tends to be the treatment um, that people go to. Like if you have difficulty getting pregnant,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but for fat people, that's often a very different experience. So to start with, fat people have been told by culture, social media, the media, our society. That it's going to be more difficult for them to get pregnant so usually people mm-hmm. have this negative bias against themselves already from the beginning thinking it's going to be harder for me i'm going to struggle to get pregnant it's mm-hmm. going to be a more difficult journey and what that can mean is that they delay even starting wanting to get pregnant and going through that process because they f- often feel that oh well if I just lose weight first if I just do this mm-hmm. quote-unquote healthy eating protocol to prepare like they put a lot of onus and responsibility on themselves to be different to, mm-hmm. to be thinner or to be kind of quote-unquote healthier in order to give themselves permission to 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 even try to get pregnant um so that can be a big difference and also when you get to that 12 month mark if you haven't got pregnant yet often fat folks will delay going to see their doctor because Mm of maybe negative experiences they've had in the past, expectations of what could happen at that appointment. They'll think, oh, well, I'll just wait a few more months or you know, I'll just see how it goes for a little bit longer. Um, As a protection mechanism more than anything else to protect themselves from any potential harm that could come up in that appointment. Um, And rightly so, because so many people report to me that if they go and see their doctor, their doctor will just say, just lose weight, come back in you know, six months' time and you've lost X amount of pounds, mm-hmm. and then I'll help you. So that care is delayed. Whether that's from them thinking I need to delay this appointment or from the doctor saying come back in six, 12 months, their care is delayed. And you know, their access to tests, to treatments, to fertility support is often on the proviso that they've lost this weight. And if they don't lose that weight, they don't get to access the care that they need so it's a very different experience for most fat folks there are Mm -hmm. some amazing doctors out there supporting folks in bigger bodies um but for the majority of people they have a much more different and more negative experience when they're navigating this
0: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i'm sure you know obviously we're getting a delay of care, like literally with the doctor and that Mm -hmm. side of it. But I'm sure the mindset like you described at the beginning there plays a huge part in even your body's ability to be able to get pregnant because of the extra stress. I mean, I know for people that I work with, that's one thing we talk about a lot is just the extra stress your body is feeling from being so stressed out around food. I'm sure it's the same Mm -hmm. for people you work with as well. And like the mindset is probably super important.
1: Absolutely. And it's, you know, like for people who go through any kind of fertility experience, you know, however long it takes for them to get pregnant, like this is a really vulnerable time in their lives. It can be really, their height, their emotions are often really heightened.
0: Mm-hmm. They're focused
1: on all these different things around them of like, am I eating the right things? Am I taking the right supplements? Like there's all these pressures on them of doing it right and doing the right thing. Um, so there was already this like high level of, Pressure that they're putting on themselves and for folks in bigger bodies you know we know that being in a fat body is stressful like navigating mm-hmm. health care navigating transport systems clothing like there are so many additional stresses that we have in our lives anyway mm-hmm. and this idea that um it's going to be difficult it's going to be hard you know that absolutely increases that stress load that people experience and that's not to say that no fat people get pregnant because fat people get pregnant all the time mm-hmm. But it's just an additional load that thin folks don't have and sometimes can't comprehend that that's an additional thing that fat people have to face because they have not experienced that themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And it can make a real, you know, we talk about it as mindset and mindset can often feel quite abstract. But Mm -hmm. in in reality, it makes a real tangible difference in the day-to-day. So if you believe that you need to be thinner in order to get pregnant, you're going to make choices in your everyday life that are things like trying the latest diet you know like forcing mm-hmm. yourself to restrict your calories or be thinking about food constantly be thinking about how you can move your body more um and those are the choices that you're making in your day to day life whereas if you have the belief that you need to nourish your body in order to get pregnant rather than restrict those day to day choices look very different so you may choose foods mm-hmm that feel supportive, that feels satisfying, you may move your bodies in ways that feel more beneficial or joyful. Um it just looks completely different, like on a day-to-day, very tangible level. So mm-hmm. whilst mindset can feel really abstract and strange when we talk about beliefs and things, like when we bring it down to the reality of what that looks like day to day, it can be really powerful how you think about your body and how you think about your body's ability to get pregnant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a really good point. Mindset is such kind of like an abstract word, but mm. it really is about those thoughts that you're having in your head every day and how that affects <laughs> the actions that you're taking. Yeah, um, definitely. So, and you mentioned that you have PCOS. That's something you were diagnosed with very early. I know so many people who have gotten that same diagnosis. That is famously one of those situations where doctors are just like, well, Lose weight because mm-hmm. we don't really know what else to do for you. Yeah. Um, so, could you share a little bit about PCOS and how that also plays a role in fertility? Do you Do you typically work with um, at least some people who have PCOS, PCOS as well?
1: Absolutely, there's a huge crossover for folks, um, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because. PCOS is, tends to be seen as like a classic fat person illness. Like mm-hmm. I think originally when it was first like recognized in scientific literature, it was often recognized in people who were in bigger bodies. So it's kind of like this stereotypical idea of um, a fat person who has PCOS. But what I see happening now a lot for folks is that they'll be diagnosed with it often without any of the key diagnostic tests being performed so doctors will use their x-ray vision and magically come up with this <laughs> of a pcos based on your body size which is such rubbish and not I've evidence-based heard... medicine
0: <laughs> yeah no i've heard that from people too where they got a pcos diagnosis and then later down the road when a doctor did actually take the time to do the test they were like you don't have this yeah that's
1: wild yeah so
0: yeah. it's really okay,
1: yeah it's really important that people make sure that they're getting an appropriate diagnosis is really what I'm saying is like, you can't diagnose someone based on their body type Um, and it affects people of all body shapes and all body sizes. So it's not just a fat person's illness. Um, And the interesting thing about PCOS is it's not this like physiological, like pathway of disease that we often, you know, that we can recognize with other illnesses. It's a syndrome, which means it's a collection of symptoms. So people can experience it in really different ways. Um, For me, I've got quite a lot of the classic, what you call classic PCOS symptoms, like I get a lot of excess hair, like body hair and facial hair. Um, I used to get a lot of acne, um, super irregular cycles, Mm -hmm. like all of those things tend to be quite common for folks with PCOS. But there's also lots of other symptoms which don't tend to be as well recognised, like people with PCOS tend to suffer from a lot of different sleep disorders. That's really common for folks with PCOS. Fatigue is also really common. Skin tags, like there's a lots of different things that that can be attributed to PCOS, Um, and it's also got kind of two main functions to it. So it's got a metabolic function, which is all about you know your energy levels and processing food, and then it's also got um, a hormone function. So how it impacts your testosterone, Um, so your kind of it's called a quote unquote male factor hormone, um, and Mm -hmm. your estrogen levels, and they vary as well. So there's lots of different ways and it impacts your insulin so it's quite a complex syndrome and there's not enough evidence there's not enough mm-hmm. research on it because it's you know it's experienced by people who are assigned female at birth we tend to get the dregs of scientific research
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's a well-known phenomenon and so we don't know enough about it we don't know enough about how it's caused we don't know enough about how to support it how to treat it um but the really important thing that people know is that it's not just lose weight and diet because actually for folks who are in bigger bodies with PCOS there is a correlation between PCOS and body size like we know that folks with PCOS tend to gain weight but we know that body size isn't causing PCOS Mm -hmm. like it's just one of the symptoms so Mm -hmm. you're not you're not fixing it by reducing one of the symptoms and there's lots and lots of other ways that you can support your pcos without your body types your body type changing shape at all so for me my own personal experience movement really helps with my cycles like my weight will stay exactly the same but if i have more consistent movement my cycles will regulate um walking you know i got a dog quite recently about six months ago and walking the dog has really helped make my cycles more regular um I do quite a lot of swimming outdoors that really helps when I do cold water swimming that really helps like all of that these sounds amazing it's <laughs> super fun um, And yeah. but I can really kind of track like when I'm doing these things more consistently when I'm supporting my nervous system when I'm helping yeah. my body kind of come down from that stress response I can see like a tangible impact on my menstrual cycles and my weight has absolutely nothing to do with it mm-hmm. um so it's definitely all about the behaviours that you can do rather than um, any weight loss or gain or anything like that. So sleep super important and rest. Um, getting enough food, making sure eating enough food is super important, especially for fat folks, because we have all these diet stories and rules mm-hmm. that we've picked up over the years. Um, and also, you know, finding a movement that feels good. rebuilding your relationship with exercise if that's something that you struggled with in the past. All those things can be super helpful in supporting your PCS without ever having to worry about what the scales say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what's really cool is like what you're describing here is that ability to be connected enough and understand your body enough to know what actually helps and doesn't help. And I'm sure that one of the experiences that people have with PCOS is when you're trying to everything you can to lose that weight, it probably doesn't help. You know, like you said, that's just one symptom. Mm -hmm. It's probably not helping all of the other symptoms. I imagine, you know, like people are chasing this weight loss and it's just making things worse Mm -hmm. everywhere else. Is that something that you see?
1: All the time. I mean, so many folks like the two ways we almost have of like weight loss is restriction and over exercising, and Mm -hmm. both of those things signal to the body like, oh no, like something terrible is happening in our world right now. Either it's famine or we are being chased every day by a tiger, and neither of those things are safe, right? Neither of those worlds are great for bringing new life into the world. So your body's like, okay, we need to prioritize you know, blood flow to the muscles so we can move, we need to prioritize, um, you know, staying alert. So the adrenaline and the cortisol is flowing, we definitely don't need to prioritize food and, you know, um, digesting food, and we definitely don't need to prioritize reproduction. So those are the things your body switches off to preserve its energy, Mm -hmm. to make sure it's keeping you alive. But obviously, that's not what you want to happen. That is complete opposite of what you want to happen. So Mm -hmm. it's totally counterintuitive that, know that medical professionals telling you to go and do these extreme things of losing weight when that is just signaling to the body that it's not a safe environment to get pregnant in and the other the other strange thing about it is that we know that time has an impact we know that we have a limited amount of time to get pregnant within our life cycles Mm -hmm. so by going on these diets you know any kind of sustainable short-term weight loss takes time Um, so we know that that time is ticking along on the time that we have. Mm -hmm. So it's totally counterintuitive that we're being told to delay and delay and delay when actually the earlier that we can do that, the better for our, you know, fertility life cycles.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, um, you mentioned like when you were first diagnosed with PCOS, you were basically just told you're never going to be able to have kids Mm -hmm. can you describe um how pcos does affect fertility and how it doesn't you know like obviously like you said it's not true that you'll just Mm. never have kids if you're diagnosed so i'm curious about that
1: absolutely so i got pregnant with both my boys totally unremarkably we it was very quick we were very lucky But, um, yeah, so many folks with PCOS are told that it's going to be difficult. And the main reason that it's harder is because you have these irregular cycles and we Mm -hmm. tend to be quite out of tune with our bodies. So we don't, especially Mm -hmm. for a generation of people who've often masked their periods with the oral contraceptive pill, like that's super common to be taking Mm -hmm. that through your teens and twenties. We're not aware of how our bodies respond to ovulation and what that looks like for us. so when we have irregular cycles, it can be so difficult to pinpoint when to have sex, which makes mm-hmm. it hard. And if you're having irregular cycles, it just gives you fewer opportunities. So if your cycle's like 60, 90 days long, you're getting it like once every two to three months instead of every month. So it just means that mm-hmm. you're getting fewer opportunities throughout that time. I mean, there's some research that suggests that there are other things going on, like maybe it impacts egg quality. Or implantation, but I've looked into the research from that, and it's actually quite poor quality. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about those things for folks with PCOS. The thing that you really need to nail is just figuring out when you ovulate, and if you don't ovulate, getting support as quickly as possible for like ovulation induction treatments, like Clomid and Letrozole, um, Mm -hmm. to help you know when you're ovulating, so that you've got that chance to have sex at
0: the right. Yeah, you have the window. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And that that sounds like much. I mean, obviously, that's a quite a situation to manage Mm -hmm. and have to work through. But at the same time, the way you describe it is so much more outcome focused. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's so much more like what can you actually do to change this other than just like this blanket recommendation of weight loss that ultimately doesn't help anyone.
1: Absolutely. We don't, you know, we can't, ultimately, we cannot control our weights. Mm -hmm. So it's just a fruitless attempt to keep going and to keep trying with that. Whereas, you know, there are real tangible things that you can do to support yourself. And there's, you know, there's also metformin, which is a medication which can help regulate cycles and there's a supplement called inositol which again can be really useful for folks with pcos to regulate cycle length and it's just about you know getting in touch with your body understanding what happens when you ovulate so that you if you do have irregular cycles you can be like okay i'm recognizing these symptoms this is a good window and there's all kinds of tools and things that you can use as well like Mm -hmm. tracking your temperature and tracking your hormones there's lots of high-tech things that you can use but you can you know you can just listen to your body, figure out what's going on, you know, things like libido increase, mm-hmm. changing your cervical mucus, changing your cervix position, um, more energy, like all of these things can give you signs that ovulation is happening, which can be super useful when your period and your ovulation could be
0: any time in a 20-day window. Right. It's not necessarily super consistent like some people mm-hmm. may have. Um So it definitely sounds like something that's key to the work you do with people, PCOS or not, is that ability to get back in tune with your own body Mm -hmm. and like get reconnected. Can you describe how, I mean, I guess we know like weight loss in attempting that and just chasing that is obviously a big way that people get disconnected from their bodies and what it actually feels like to be in it um but I don't know if there are any other ways that you see people like having that disconnection from their body and I'm curious you know what kind of like harms do you see happening to people when they're being encouraged to take this weight focused approach to fertility Mm, I think most people to be honest are quite
1: disconnected from their body I know I Mm -hmm. was for a really long time and it's still something that I work on right on now to to try and remember to connect because we're so focused on like productivity and doing like doing things and learning things and knowing things um that it can be really difficult to drop back into your body and just be rather than do um Mm -hmm. and because we live often so isolated from nature and from the world that you know Mm -hmm. is around us you know in cities in communities like it can be really hard to remember that nature's changing and that our world shifts in these cycles and we're also very secular beings Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's really common to be not in tune with your body to be not connected and it's for me it's really important part of my work because when we want to get pregnant we really need to trust our bodies are capable of this and it's Mm -hmm we're so used to wanting to control everything and this is just something we cannot control we cannot force our um you know our eggs to ovulate we cannot force the sperm to meet the egg like we that is our control and we just have to trust we just have to trust that our body knows what it's doing and it can do it without us thinking about it so and then because of diet culture because of the society that we live in where we are so separate from our bodies it's so powerful to to begin to rebuild and repair that relationship with your body Mm -hmm. because so many people report that they feel that their body's broken that they don't trust their body that their body does everything wrong and it never does anything right Mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's super powerful to be able to rebuild that connection and just trust that your body is capable of this incredible incredible thing yeah Yeah.
0: And diet culture really is there like hammering Mm -hmm. the message in that we can't trust our bodies Yeah, every day. Yeah. And that is such a powerful, I also, you know, as a result of my years of chasing weight loss, like I didn't even realize how disconnected I was from my own. Like I didn't even understand that concept of Mm. connection with my body because You know when you grow up never really learning about it or you're growing up always chasing whatever the outside expectation is it's really difficult like you said to just slow down and instead of doing just being i love that that idea um so let's talk about the fun part how does taking a weight neutral approach help with this fertility journey
1: so i think the biggest Piece of it for so many folks is to really help them reframe that responsibility. So often for fat folks, they feel that responsibility firmly on their shoulders, not only of like losing weight in order to get pregnant, but of like the whole getting pregnant process. They feel it's firmly on them, it's their responsibility, and therefore it's their fault if something's not working, if something's Mm -hmm. going wrong. Um, And if they can't access care, if they can't access treatment, it's their fault and they feel that shame and that guilt so intensely and when we talk about it from a weight neutral approach from a fat positive approach what we're doing is we're naming that it's not them at fault that it's the systems at fault so we are reframing it away from their responsibility to it's the responsibility of the systems to change to support you and you absolutely worthy and deserving of all that care and support you need in order to get pregnant so from a big picture like looking at it from a from a distance we're seeing like people let go of that guilt and shame around their bodies around what it means to get pregnant what it means to be you know somebody who wants to get pregnant in a bigger body and putting it solely back on the systems of support where where it needs to be um but in terms of like the practicals people get so much more out of like the practical recommendations because what we're doing rather than focusing on restriction on short-term diets on all of the stuff that's normally focused on when you work with like a fertility nutritionist we're focusing on what is going to support you and the person who is wanting to get pregnant is so often forgotten when Mm -hmm. we're talking about fertility because it's like The goal is to get pregnant, it's to get pregnant, it's to have a baby, you know, and actually you as the person who wants to get pregnant should be number one on that priority list. You should be doing things for you that help you feel better, that help you feel more joy, more peace, more acceptance whilst you are navigating this experience. And there's nothing special about fertility care. You don't need to do special things the more that you can focus on your own health and your own energy and your own joy and your own peace the more that is going to support your fertility it's it's all mushed in there together right your reproductive system is not magically laid out on its own little piece of paper over here while everything else is over here it's all squished in there together and it all interplays and reacts with each other so whatever you're doing for your health for your support for just looking after you is going to be looking after your fertility at the same time
0: yeah absolutely that's such a good point it's not like we can just do things to just take care of this one issue Mm. whether it's fertility or anything else this is anything else I have with my clients as well I'm like hold on (laughs) you're stuck on nutrition we need to look at this whole big picture And consider what we can and can't actually control, like, you know, kind of like you're talking about. I am curious, you know, obviously, if you start looking through fertility information online, which a lot of people are probably Mm -hmm. doing, there's so many people out there saying you need to restrict these certain foods, you need to add in these certain foods, these certain nutrients are what is going to get you pregnant, like making these big promises about the power of individual foods. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
1: is so problematic on so many levels. So like Mm -hmm. the whole the whole like field of nutrition science is very young. And we we still, you know, like the evidence is really not there to support any of these like you must have your B vitamins or you must have your like all Mm -hmm. of these recommendations, they are vastly oversimplified from what any of the research is saying. And it's impossible to really pinpoint those recommendations and know what adding in that one thing is going to impact it's basically just a wild stab in the dark because our yes. bodies are so complicated with so many moving parts that there is no possible way that we could have the intellect to understand what is happening at any one point in our bodies like the billions of processes that are happening yeah without our knowledge every single second is just wild so it makes no logical sense that that is a thing that we know yet. And it doesn't help people who are reading it either. Like the people who are told like, you need to have X, Y, and Z to go and take, or you need to restrict X, Y, and Z. It doesn't really help them to get in touch with their bodies, to understand what their bodies need. Like our bodies are insanely intelligent and they will tell us when we are, (laughs) like they know when we want magnesium because they crave chocolate. They know when they need iron because you're like, oh, I can really do with a steak right now. Like Mm -hmm. we are so like we said like divorced from those instincts and those intuitions that we have that we don't put any meaning to them anymore but they yeah our bodies know what we need when we need it and we can see that in nature all the time like we know that there are animals that will forage for particular herbs or plants that will support their particular health condition that they're navigating um because they have that instinct and they know that and we are not devoid of nature we are not a special species that came down from a different planet like we have those Mm -hmm. same instincts and we have those same desires and reflexes and that innate wisdom but we're just so out of tune with it so yeah there's so much to be said for just listening to what your body asks for and Mm -hmm. giving it what it
0: needs So true.
1: (laughs) That has been (laughs) one of the most
0: interesting things about becoming a dietitian is realizing at the end of the day, like, I mean, like with the nutrition research, I'm always trying to remind people like, we are trying to take one single nutrient in some random person and like say that that is what has impacted like we have no idea what else they're going through in their life we have no idea what else they're eating like we have no idea what their you know genetics are like Mm -hmm. there's so many things and then we're seeing this it's especially frustrating when then that like not really reliable nutrition research is taken by big you know news outlets and put in these headlines like this food will help you live seven years longer it's like there's absolutely no way for us to actually know that no of course not it makes no
1: sense at all
0: and i love that you bring up how smart our bodies are because i'm talking about this all the time it is amazing and this is what i tell people i don't know what your thoughts on it are but you know we crave those really, um, you know, higher calorie, um, sweets and high fat foods because we are energy deficient because we are all so focused on depriving that all our bodies can do is crave energy. And Mm -hmm. so I'm always helping my clients and I'm sure this is what you talk to people about too. Let's eat enough energy and watch how your cravings change because once your body has energy, then you will get to that point where you're like, I'm craving that steak. I'm craving the chocolate. Like my body is able to tell me exactly what mm-hmm. I need. And that's that's amazing. I'm sure that's a hugely important part of like what yeah. you do talk about around nutrition with your clients. Yeah.
1: And we don't do a lot of talking about nutrition. Really, the only nutrition advice mm-hmm. that I ever give, because I'm not a nutritionist, is are you eating enough? Are you eating yeah. enough food? And that is really as long as you are eating enough food, that is all I care about.
0: Yeah. Even I mean, honestly, even for me, like, I really don't talk about specifics of nutrition Mm -hmm. with my clients, because I'm just like, there's actually not a lot of point in trying to give you these external recommendations, I'm trying to help you get to the point where you can just trust your Mm -hmm. body to tell you what you need. And so I'm kind of like, hey, you already probably know what the most the the general nutrition recommendations are, I want to help you eat enough like it, it yeah. really is the most important part <laughs> so I've simple. learned yeah over these years it's like who we don't need to get into the the nutrients and micronutrients and all that we need to focus on eating enough and your body will take it from there Absolutely, it's amazing um so can you tell us a little bit about some of the people you've worked with do you have any stories of people who you know, have gone through this journey with you and had success taking this fat um, positive approach.
1: Absolutely, I think
0: a couple of the ones that really
1: stand out is I worked with a client once, and they were older because they'd been denied care for so long. Like mm-hmm. I think they were in their forties at this point. And they'd gone earlier on like 10 years ago and tried to navigate the fertility clinics, tried to access care were just turned away, turned away. And we had a session where we talked about why, like exactly why they were being turned away from these clinics. And it came down to four main things. The first was that weight loss was effective. The second there was that IVF wasn't effective for folks in bigger bodies that it wasn't safe in bigger bodies and that the pregnancy risks for folks in bigger bodies were too high if they did get pregnant. So what we did was we broke down each of those four things and we looked at the research into them. Mm-hmm. And together we like created this research document of like all of the things that the doctors were saying they couldn't do because of X, Y, Z, this reason. And we, we created a counter argument for each of those points And they went into this clinic that they'd worked with the last time they'd been in. They presented this document and then the clinic changed their policy. And that was just amazing. Like, I was beyond proud of this client for going in, for doing that work, for taking the enormous amounts of energy that it must have taken Mm -hmm. to have that conversation with people, you know, in that power dynamic who we put doctors on a pedestal, like we, um forced like not forced but like conditioned to believe that they know best that we listen to them we do what we're told mm-hmm. and to then go in and have this conversation about the research about their policy and have it changed so that they could access the treatment was phenomenal um and yeah it was just such an incredible experience to be able to watch them navigate that process and to go through and actually make a change and make a difference to the systems that were at fault
0: yeah i was going to say imagine like if they're changing a company policy because of that Mm -hmm. that's going to help so many other people that's really really cool yeah it was amazing um and a
1: couple of other clients that i've worked with that have really stuck out and kind of stayed with me is not like explicit things like that, but more intangible things like the way that their confidence in their body changed, the way that they mm-hmm. could see the possibility that they were enough, that they deserve to have support through this. Because up until working with me, so many people report to me that they've never had an experience with a healthcare provider professional. Where they felt equal, where they felt listened to, where they felt heard, where yeah. they felt trusted and listened to and respected. Yeah. And that experience for a lot of people of receiving then that care from me was so profound in their way that they could show up for themselves. And you know, sometimes they don't have. the the ability to have that hold that hope that this is possible for them and it's capable for them so having me able to hold that hope for them while they process this stuff while they you know have to figure out like how they can really begin to explore that relationship with their body and trust themselves again is so profound to see and it's not like this big thing that you can see externally but internally you can see how they're you know, how their neuroplasticity of their brain has changed because their beliefs Mm -hmm. around themselves have changed. And that doesn't just impact them, but that has such a huge ripple effect on the people in their lives and who they talk to and what they go on to do and their children and their children's children. And it's just such an incredible thing to watch because of this way that it then positively impacts the world through them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, one of the best parts about this work is getting to watch people go through that transformation slowly a lot of times oh yeah slow little like question you start to question what you've al- always believed and then you're like wait and i think what helps about having a healthcare provider who does actually sit and listen and respect you is like that realization that you can look for that that you can seek that and that you deserve it and so I love that, that for a lot of people, you probably are the first person Mm -hmm. who's ever actually listened and said, Hey, this isn't actually about your body or your fault as an individual. Um, And I see that with my clients, you know, where we, they take it from there and they're like, Oh, my current doctor treats me like shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I'm not going to like stand for that anymore. And I'm going to advocate for myself. So that is a, that is such a beautiful part. And it's, it's, amazing like you said the ripple effect that that has and i'm sure of all the people you've worked with you know from there the ripples have gone far and wide
1: yeah it's magical to think about and even people like who follow me on social media who read my book like yeah and they never speak to them but it's yeah just imagining all those tiny little ripples in the world just yeah it's a beautiful beautiful
0: thing to think about I'm sure it's very rewarding, especially, you know, having gone through your own experiences that were really, really difficult with this to then get to go through that yourself and then help other people. Yeah. That shift as well.
1: I don't think I could do another job. I don't think I could do anything else now. It's such an important part of my work Mm -hmm. and about who I am now, that it's just, yeah, a real job. (laughs) I could never do it.
0: I know right. <laughs> this it doesn't feel like real work when it's this rewarding to get to help people. It obviously is. You know, I can't imagine. You've literally written a book. You've put in quite a bit of work. <laughs> put in the hours. Yeah, sure. yeah. But it definitely yeah.
1: doesn't feel like work. Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: So, we do know obviously there are a lot of people out there who have had a discouraging experience with fertility care and going and being told these messages that we've all heard. What would you want to say to someone who's listening, who has had a discouraging experience with fertility care or even PCOS, you know, what would you recommend for them to do? Or what words would you just want to plant in their brain?
1: Mm. I would first of all want to reassure them that it's totally understandable that they feel like sad angry you know at loss frustrated like all of these emotions are totally normal because the care that they received is not acceptable and they deserve so much more than what they got um mm-hmm. i'd also want to just reassure them that there are people out there who are willing to support them whether that is fertility clinics whether that is coaches like myself dietitians, nutritionists therapists like there are incredible people out there who are able to give you the the support that you deserve um, and keep looking for it because although it feels hard and although you should absolutely not have to do this extra work to find care, you are totally and 100% worthy of being treated with respect and with um, loving care from your healthcare providers.
0: Are there any like first steps that someone could start on their own? I mean, number one, obviously, is reading your book. I yeah, think I mean, that would follow- probably help. Yeah, following you, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I have a clinic
1: list. If you're looking for healthcare, if you cannot find a clinic that will help you, I've started collating a list on my website of other clinics that folks have recommended. So that's a good place to start if you're, you know, if you're at the point where you want to access um, treatment and you can't find it. If you are still on the process before that point, um, I have loads of free resources available. I have a research guide you can download. I've got a free workshop of like, should I even get pregnant in a bigger body? Um, there's the book. There's, you know, I've got so much stuff available on my social media for you to start to dig into and find some resources that are going to be supportive for both your mental health and also to give you some research and some tools so that you can go and advocate for yourself you can go and figure out how best you can navigate this and and really get some support for getting your needs met
0: yeah for sure very cool um and that kind of leads us into my last question I just want you to tell us a little bit about you know how would somebody work with you if they were interested in getting your support um and then where where can they find you
1: so I have a few different ways that folks can work with me I do some one-to-one work at the moment and I tend to work with folks in like eight-week chunks the aim of my work isn't to become like your coach for the rest of your life it is to give you tools Mm -hmm. and support so that you can trust yourself and trust your own intuition about how to navigate this um and yeah so I have support for that in terms of one-to-one care I also do workshops that you can do on demand so you can just download them from my website around IVF for fat folks pcos for fat folks evidence around fertility and fat people just different topics that might be useful Um, and a couple of short courses about how to advocate for your care and how to kind of feel better with your beliefs and, and how you're feeling in your body so lots of different things for lots of different places that people might be on their fertility journey hopefully just to provide things that you know wherever you are on that spectrum of wherever you're navigating care and support that you would find something that would be helpful for the, the point you are right now and my website is nicolasalmon.co.uk it's all on there Um, and I mainly hang out on Instagram which is fat positive fertility so if you've got questions if you've got things you want to ask me you're so welcome to DM me there or send me an email
0: yeah awesome and I will make sure to get links and post those links in the description of the episode. So for anyone who needs that, um, Nicola, thank you so, so much for everything you shared here today. I think it's so important that people learn this and they can take a breath and know that they don't have to track their micronutrients to get pregnant Mm -hmm. or lose weight to get pregnant. It really is about you know our bodies having so much power when we can take that step back and reconnect and really just listen to what we need. So, yeah, thank you so much. This was thank you. I'm learning so much, I can't wait for people to hear this. Oh, yay! Thank you, Lauren. Thanks again for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Um, definitely make sure to check the episode description for all of the links to find Nicola online. You can find her on Instagram at fat positive fertility. That's where I first stumbled across her and she shares so much valuable information there. You can also find the link to purchase her book fat and fertile, which I would highly recommend if you are someone who is on a fertility journey. Okay. Talk to you next time.